Nothing, just an incident. That's what you get when you don't need the space. I am stupid. I am stupid. Get in there, Lewis. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Fan Behavior and F1 Podcast. I'm Zoe, and today I am unfortunately not joined by Hannah, but I am joined by a dear friend, a tech expert, Molly. Molly, thank you for being on the show today. Of course. I'm so happy to hop in and co-host and hang out. You know I'm always here for y'all, so I'm excited to be on and chatting all things and co-hosting with you today. You were already going to be on as a guest. We we decided that we're going to make this an annual episode every yes. <laughs> year. You're going to come on and give us the, the tech rundown because, mm-hmm. you know, we have our strengths and that is not one of our strengths, <laughs> but it is one of your strengths. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all of the tech tea. I'm here. You're so excellent. And then, yeah. And then, you know, Hannah not not being able to to record, I was like, well, perfect. Molly can just slide on in as the next co-host. You are a podcast expert anyway. So it yes. worked out perfectly. <laughs> yes, it did. I have a couple shows and I, I probably have more content streams that I know what to do with between Engine ZP and Espresso and Breaking Bias, but it's fine. We all have fun here. We do. We do. Um, Before we get into all the tech stuff, I wanted to just quickly ask you your thoughts on all the craziness that's gone on so far this before the season's even started. <laughs> Um, I think I knew it was going to be crazy. I didn't think I knew it was going to be that crazy. What it, what have your thoughts been so far? I think we knew going into 25, it was going to get a little wild. I just, I think the thing we keep talking about is we just didn't think it that just, just the timing of it. Like the mm-hmm. fact that everything's happened so early is what's most shocking. Um, yeah. Not so much the moves and what's gone down, but more so that it's all happened before we even had one race under our belts. Yeah, a lot of the stuff seems like it might have been meant to come out later. Yeah. And it's kind of caught some people out and now having to deal with it. But I think such is the world of embargoes. It happens and people can't be trusted sometimes. And I just think I agree that the timeline of everything is just absolutely crazy. I think we thought it was going to happen maybe summer break. Yeah. Second half of the season. I think it just shows that a lot of this stuff is already happening or a lot of this stuff is going on kind of behind the scenes that not a lot of people think about. And there's always kind of conversations happening there. People are always thinking one step ahead. And I think that this shows that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I just, if this is any indication of what's to come, then I am, I mean, don't we all love a little bit of chaos, a little bit of drama? Yes. My Aries moon loves all of the chaos the drama, all the memes. It's half of the fun that kept me around in this sport. So I think it's going to make for a very interesting and great season. Yeah. Anyone who says that they don't like or they don't care about F1 because of what happens off the track, honestly, I feel like is lying because come on, how could you not? (laughs) I know this is like one of the series that I think has some of the best kind of off track politicking and banter and all of that stuff that makes it that much more fun to kind of be part of the um, like the universe around it or at least the ecosystem around it to kind of experience that and be part of that. I think that's part of the community around, especially Formula One. Agreed. Agreed. Um, so for those who maybe are newer listeners, they can go, they should go back and listen to our episode last year when we gave you kind of introduced your your history, mm-hmm. your backstory into motorsport. You gave, I think we did more of like a general tech episode. Yes. This time we're going to focus more specifically about the upcoming season, the mm-hmm. new cars, all that kind of stuff. But so if people are like, I want more general tech, well, they should listen to your podcast, but they should also go back <laughs> yeah. and listen uh, to last year's episode. But I wanted to first ask you about just the car launches in general. Like, Do you have any mm-hmm. general thoughts about any of the car launches, what you liked, didn't like? I thought that there was a very interesting contrast this year between... Mm-hmm. 2023 and 2024 launches where we saw Ferrari do the the live engagement where the car rolled out at Fiorano. We saw a lot of teams doing like full launches where this year I felt like a lot of teams were pre-recorded or they were just a video. And that was it. Like Ferrari, I was like, that's it. It's a minute video. They're already showing me the car. That's it. And then you had, um, the Williams team who they just showed a livery. We still don't really even know what their car looks like. They showed up. Here's the livery on the 2023 car. Still don't know what the 2024 car looks like. I think they did. They're doing a lot of good things, engaging fans in New York. There was the NFL of V car kind of tie up. 
mm-hmm. in Vegas, which I thought was really smart because of kind of Visa's leadership and their alignment to NFL and kind of where they sit. I thought that was really smart. Yeah. But I thought that there was a very stark contrast between 23 and 24 with the type of launches we saw. Yeah, I I was sort of surprised, like even even McLaren dropping because they yeah. were first and I was like, oh, I mean, it was cool that they were that they wanted to just drop it. But there was so it was just it didn't feel as it felt a little bit more anticlimactic. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. It was, it, it, yeah, it was, it was strange. Weird. I'm like, yeah. your your car looks like a bag of extra hot Cheetos with the like diagonal stripe with the black. I'm so sorry, McLaren. I'm so sorry. That's like the only thing it makes me think of. But I was like, that that's it? Yeah. Like it was one of those one of those things where I was like, wow, like it I don't know if it's like sponsors or what, yeah. like what they decided to do cuz a lot of that's for the sponsors, too. Right. Right. And like the the people that pay to be on the car, but it seemed right. just it was so weird that it was some of these were just drops or videos and that was it. I completely agree. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's get into the liveries. Cause as you mentioned livery, I think a lot of people who are brand new are like, what is the difference between the livery and the actual car? Like they don't understand mm-hmm. that you can show a livery, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's the car yes. that they're going to be using for mm-hmm. the upcoming season. So let's just focus yes. purely on the look, the livery itself, yes. which were your favorites, which were your least favorites. Okay. Um, V-Carb was one of my favorites because be, be still my little Toro Rosso, the team from Italy that could heart. Yes. Like deep in my heart, I am a Toro Rosso girly. So I love that because I think it's a nod to such an iconic kind of car that they've had and kind of their past and their history. And then unpopular opinion, I really like the Aston. I think it just looks really mean with the black, the iconic British racing green and the pops of neon. And then believe it or not, I really like Steak Kick Sauber because it reminds me of Shigo from Kim Possible. I love the black yes. and the green. Yes. Okay. I okay. I you? completely agree with you on. I just. I. I also like V Carb. Like, lol. Yeah. That name is just so. <laughs> fun. Do We're you used to okay? It. Do you know? I had to. We went down a rabbit hole. My other show about this that it's actually Red Bull and not Racing Bulls is the yeah. team for RB. Okay. Yes. Yeah. That's. I've been telling somebody, but they're like, no, it's Racing Bulls. I'm like, it is definitely Red Bull guys. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um. But I loved theirs. I thought that I mm-hmm. thought theirs looked great. I thought I think the combination. I thought their race suits plus their car or plus mm-hmm. their livery looked overall the best yes. for me personally. I on the opposite side, steak. I love the livery. I yes. didn't love the race suits. I don't either. I like. Which the car. I don't know like, why. Because I don't they know. look the same. I mean, they're the yeah. same style, but for some reason, it just looks better on a car. It looks. I it, agree. It it looks more. I think so much of F1 and like the cars themselves, they're not, they don't really experiment or like try things mm-hmm. that are super different. And I felt like the state car was different. Yeah. Um, which, and I, which I liked. I feel like they have kind of taken this, we're going to experiment, try something new before Audi comes in in 26. And right. I really applaud them for that because I think that they're doing some cool stuff, but they're definitely experimenting and kind of pushing things. And I think that that, that kind of shocked some people. Yeah. And I think the, um, the timing of the V-Card launch was also very interesting because it was a 10.30 PST, yeah. which for me in Eastern Standard Time is like 1.30 in the morning. Right. Um, and it was very much catered towards the European side. And they did this big launch in Vegas. And I think they kind of realized maybe the, the U.S. side are going to wake up and be like, oh, okay, cool, the livery. And then talk about the livery. But they were really trying to cater towards kind of the European fans and some of the fans that maybe aren't um, as open to the new things that some of these teams are trying. And by doing this cool Vegas launch, um, maybe trying to kind of get them on board with what they were doing. Right. The steak car also, I felt like it It looks like a car that could drive, like it would glow in the dark. Like if you yes. if you drove it like in the dark, the green parts would glow, which is kind of always fun. <laughs> I mean, we do have some night races. So like steak, steak kick, true. you're welcome. That's Come so on. True. Um, it would be so fun. And then, oh, I wanted to ask you about the Mercedes livery because they combined the yes. the silver and the black, which I I kind of like. I do too. I think you get the best of both worlds. I agree. People that that love the silver arrows, they love the black, they love the the all black car that they do, and I think that this was a really good kind of amalgamation of the two. You still got the red, you still got a little bit of the teal, and yep. it really kind of brought the best of both liveries together. And I actually, I quite liked that as well. I completely agree. I have to be honest, and you know, I know we're both Pierre Gasly girls, but I was underwhelmed by the Alpine. <laughs> I kind of 
see what they're doing with so much carbon and understand it. Um, I wanted a full Barbie car. You can't tease me with pink camo and then turn around and give me an all carbon car. I do like the pops of color. I think it does make their blues and their pinks pop. Yeah. But coming from the blue car last year to that, I was like, oh, Especially like, and the all pink car. So I was like, okay. And I mean, there is some intention behind that, which I think we'll talk about why there's so much carbon and why there's a lack of paint on the cars. But I was kind of, I'm not disappointed, but I understand once we talk about that, why they did that. But I was a little underwhelmed with what they were teasing. Right. Yeah. It just felt like they made it seem like they're going to go one way and then they went a different (laughs) way. And we were all just just being like, what? I thought it was going to be like palace camo like they had yes. in Vegas. It looked like yes. a pink palace. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, and I love palace skate. So I was like, oh, this is going to be so cool. I think actually like Pierce helmet makes up for it. I don't know if you've seen his like electric blue yes. 2024 helmet. Uh, cool. That looks so cool in the car. Yes. So I think that kind of makes up for it a little bit. But it was an interesting pivot. And then I'm like, where were you going with the pink? Right. Either right. they're showing up at Bahrain with a camoed car mm-hmm. for testing mm-hmm. or like what what was that for you know completely agree um okay so what was your least favorite um if you had to ooh. pick one I mean we were kind of bantering the McLaren just because I can't unsee Cheetos um Haas it's the same car as far as I'm concerned with more carbon fiber yeah um Williams I like but Williams just had that like nod to Frank Williams with the the subtle light blue I, I quite like that and then like, there's something about the Red Bull I'll always like because it's Red Bull. I agree. And it's so iconic. And, like, a lot of people are kind of hating on it, but I think it's quite iconic. Ferrari was middle of the road for me. Um, Like, it's a Ferrari. I was kind of hoping maybe they would nod to the hypercar or do something a little bit different. But, I, okay. I like, it's a Ferrari. Like, it's, I, yeah, I, it's I, good. I, yeah. 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 So, I don't, agree. like, they all kind of had their, like, peaks and valleys for me. So, yes. I think, like, there's not one I outright, like, hated. I but agree. But definitely some I like more than others. I agree. Yeah, there wasn't one where I was like, oh, my God, this is I mean, yeah. besides the only thing that I truly was like, oh, I do not like this was the steak race suit. That's the only thing that I felt yeah. like Ugh. maybe, but the car made up for it for me. Like the yeah. fact that the car was cool. I was like, OK, I can forgive mm-hmm. the weird yes. looking race. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, OK, so you brought up carbon fiber and we got a yes. lot of questions. That was a like okay. number one question we got was like, why mm-hmm. are these teams choosing to go with so much carbon fiber should Mm -hmm. there be a requirement of how much paint they have to have on a car because are we going to end up with just a grid full of carbon fiber cars okay so the reason there's so much carbon fiber is the cars have like a weight limit that they have to hit and if you're overweight obviously that's a problem that's a penalty all of that good stuff so to shed weight they are removing paint to kind of get what else they want into the car because building a race car is one giant I want this, but what is it going to come at the expense of? Because I want the performance that something gives me, but maybe I have to come down like two kilograms or I have to kind of change the way that things fit together to do that. And so if I want to do that, but I still want both things, what's going to go? The paint's the first thing that teams are going to do to start shedding weight. And I actually got asked, why is there not vinyl wrap? Like, you know how cars will wrap with vinyl. Mm -hmm. Um, It actually weighs more than paint because paint, you can do one thin layer Whereas vinyl actually weighs more when you wrap a car in it. And I think it was an IndyCar team. I don't know who did it. I can go and find it. I think it's a white paper or it's like a study somewhere that they put a IndyCar in the wind tunnel with bare like carbon fiber, paint and wrap. And the coefficient of drag through those different cases was actually worse with the wrap and like best with paint and carbon fiber. So there's actually like big differences in the performance of your car based on what you're coating it with. And so to shed the weight and get the weight off that they need because lighter car equals faster car, right. um, they're they're stripping paint. That's the first thing. That's the easiest thing you can do before you start changing components around or you're like, hey, I have to go find a crazy material to make something out of to make it lighter. That's not necessarily proven. Teams want kind of to find that balance. And there's also the carbon fiber, the, the perk of it is mm-hmm. it has a really high strength to weight ratio. So it's really strong and it's really light. And there's not much else out there that has a good strength to weight ratio like carbon fiber does. There's stuff you can get different strengths, but are like similar in strength, but it weighs a ton. 
or it's like it's you're going to take a weight penalty. So that's why we're seeing teams go so carbon heavy in their liveries. And I think it's also important to note that there are requirements currently in the regulations. Everybody's like, well, we there, there should be minimum requirements. There are currently minimum requirements with regards to number visibility and visibility of certain features on the car in the regulations. And I do think there's a couple teams that I'm like, I don't know what you're doing. You might want to check your numbering. Oh, really? <laughs> kind of hard to see. Yeah, it was it was hard to see for me. So if you noticed like last year, that's why Ferrari added like the outlines to their numbers because okay. they were like kind of hard to see. Same thing with like Mercedes. Some teams changed the way the numbers were outlined on the car because mm. it was like a little debatable against regulations. And somebody actually pointed it out online that that was, I think it was Formula Bone that pointed out that that there's this regulation and somebody could kind of try to tack them with it. So there are visibility regulations in okay. kind of the the regs. So I think at that point, as long as you're in compliance, I say go for it. It's part of yeah. Formula One. It's part of racing. And I, I'm not like, this might be a hot take and I don't know what your take is, but like, I'm part of the like, if that's what you have to do, do it. I understand why you're meeting regulations. It's part of the sport and they're meeting visibility requirements with everything else. Right. I think, I mean, we say this so often in Formula One, but two things can be true at once. Yes. You can, you can not like that there's a bunch of carbon fiber cars on the track, which, uh, yes, would it be nice if they all had fun colors and mm -hmm. cool designs? Yeah, that would be awesome. But also you can understand why teams don't yes. choose to go down that path because... They want to have the fastest car mm -hmm. that they can possibly have. Yeah, exactly. And kind of something like fun on the flip side is like all of the black in the liveries. It actually makes it very difficult for someone like me to look at like spy photos or to look at certain photos mm -hmm. and see what they're doing. Interesting. So yeah, so actually the steak kick car, a photo from Shakedown leaked that they were filming and it was like the only photo of the car. And you could not make out a lot of features because of all of the black that's on the livery and all of the carbon fiber, where there's like the mix of carbon fiber and black paint. It was really hard to see. And there's a long history of doing that in motorsports and in Formula One. Black on black makes things harder to see in photos because wow. spy photography, competitive intelligence is a big thing in motorsports. Also, skirting laser scanning, like when you go through tech and scrutineering. Used mm. to be a big problem in NASCAR, actually. Um, there used to be these strips of black in kind of this skirt area where teams would try to kind of make some waves and and change the shape a little bit to help them get an aerodynamic advantage. And because it was hard to see on the black and on the laser scanner, because black absorbs light, it was getting through laser scanning. And so teams were intentionally placing colors in certain spots on their livery. And the same is true for Formula One. That placement is all 100% intentional so that it's harder to see certain features and harder to make things out for their competitors and for other people trying to see what they're doing. Interesting. Gosh, yeah. thank God for you, Molly, <laughs> coming in with the knowledge. Because, you know, us people over here who are, mm -hmm. according to the all the haters are just in it for, you know, the hot, the hot guys. We, uh, we don't know these types of things. <laughs> I mean, I'm in it for like, it, like there's good eye candy too. Come on. Like cars, drive, whatever. Like, the helmets on. Yes. The duality. Like if they go listen to my previous episode with you guys, they will know yes, that the whole yes. reason I got into motorsports yes. because I found a NASCAR driver hot. So yes. love it. Love <laughs> it. Love it. Um, okay. You mentioned shakedown and we got a lot of questions. People being like, what the hell is a shakedown? What does this mean? Mm -hmm. Why are there cards on track? I thought the cards weren't supposed to be on track until testing. Can you explain what that is? Yes. So there's two different kind of filming and pre kind of season things that the teams are allowed to do. There is a filming day and then there is a shakedown day. And so a shakedown is basically like a mini test session and they are distance limited. And I'm going to try and find the distance that they are allowed to do. But basically they are on a closed course and they are testing certain things. This is the first time that they are driving the car outside of the simulator IRL on a track, a lot of teams will combine their filming day, which is a shorter closed course distance um, day with the car doing the same kind of thing. And the, they do all of their promotional footage and stuff. Some teams will combine that, but there's a lap and distance limited. I believe it's like 20 laps okay. um, with specific um, and there's, yeah. And there is specific compounds of tires. So you're allowed. It's like a hundred kilometers. I just pulled that up really quick. Um, and just basically they are allowed to, um, just get a feel for the car. Is everything working as intended? Um, 
the like they start the engine outside of the car, but now in the system, is the engine good? Um, is the driver comfortable in the car? Does everything feel okay in their seat? It's just basically like the first chance to test everything together okay. as a system. It's control, it's heavily controlled, obviously. And then filming day is obviously promotional. That's a shorter distance. I think that that's um less, I think it's like 15 laps or something. Okay. But they're allowed to do some of that, but a lot of teams will do both. Filming days, they're only allowed two of those a year. Then shakedown, they get one. Um, so it's just kind of like a mini test session for the teams and for the cars is essentially what it is. And so they'll be collecting data okay. um, and they will kind of try to understand what they can about the car before they get to Bahrain and they get to preseason testing because track learning is the best type of learning for a car on track. And with right. the limited amount of t- um, off-track time or on-track off race time you're allowed in formula one it's really hard to get that data and so you see teams like first practice one is like a test session sometimes yeah yeah, and so it's just really kind of like the first chance they have to get a feel for the car and and comfortable and the driver can provide feedback and and then go back and look at their models and look at what they were expecting from this and their run plans and say okay this worked this didn't the driver like this driver didn't like that and then continue to kind of iterate and get ready for the first kind of preseason test and, and anything that they need to fix before the season starts. Got it. Okay. Um, and I know that there's like been some footage and stuff that's come out from mm-hmm. the shakedown. Has yes. anything stood out to you particularly? The Red Bull. <laughs> yeah. That's we'll a get- part of the crew. Yeah, we'll get there. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and then the absolute lack of footage from Alpine has shocked me. Oh, interesting. Um, okay. Yes. So they showed the real car. I still think it's largely the real car at their launch, but they showed the real car, but then I have seen absolutely nothing about them shaking down. They were doing some driving in like car of yesteryears or car of tomorrow, whatever the heck it's called, like the previous year development car, because I think the um, 2021 car was getting its like last hurrah. I saw they were out doing that, but I have not seen a single sign of the Alpine doing that shakedown. Like, is that surprising? Is that like a, is that okay? Okay. To me, it is. I mean, usually the teams are promoing that they shook down um, or there is something out there from like kind of spy photographers or whatever. But I have seen a literal lack of that. And then the other thing that actually shook down to me or shook down, stuck (laughs) out from shakedown, geez, (laughs) was McLaren's shakedown. They had like blankets over their front suspension. They were heavily concealing their car which was, it looked so weird in the rain. And I was like, is it because you're sharing the track with Mercedes right now? Because they actually were in separate buildings with separate track configurations. They would never cross paths. That's what I've seen online from a couple sources, but they had these like big kind of shrouds. Like they looked like black rectangles over their entire front suspension, which was so weird. And uh, so I'm like, what are they hiding? What is going on? Yeah. What do you think? What do you Go think ahead. the Alpine not revealing anything? Like, is that positive or is that negative? Um, I think it could be a combination of both. It's negative because are you not utilizing your track time okay. that you have available to you? Or it's actually positive because that means they have kept everything so well under wraps. We actually don't know what's coming to Bahrain, which I think is good because at that point, the teams have seen the launch car, but if there's been no further indication of maybe there's changes to the launch car or to the launch spec, they're not sure what's coming because a lot of times teams will see something and they'll go plug it into their own models and see what it does and see how it performs and kind of understand if it's worthwhile. And that's like Adrian Newey's notebook. He's always writing stuff down and they'll go back and put that in models or they'll see a team try something and they they can do it themselves. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. You you mentioned that a lot of teams will not reveal the actual car during their mm-hmm. car launch, but did anything in particular stand out to you from the car launches? Anything that you were surprised by? I mean, I know we'll get to the Red Bull stuff, but yes. <laughs> um, anything else that, that made you think like, um, oh, that's interesting? I definitely... I think Adrian Newey was right that it's going to be a grid of RB19. He did say that during the season. So that it was, I think it was surprising how quick a lot of teams pivoted to that. And then I think the other thing that stuck out to me that I think is also going to be one to watch for the season is the way that teams have kind of played with integration and the way things fit together. Like during Alpine's launch, they were talking about how they have an all new gearbox casing. They've changed their cooling routing and they've done all this stuff. So we're in a gearbox freeze 
and an engine freeze, right? We're not allowed to touch the gearbox and the engine. You're allowed to touch the plumbing of your cooling, kind of the plumbing of in and around the power unit. And, and I believe the gearbox case, you're allowed to change. And so how teams have kind of changed that, it gets them more room if they're able to kind of tighten things up, make things smaller or change how they kind of fit together. It gives them more room in different areas. And I think a big one for me was like Alpine's like, we have a whole new gearbox case. And like, we've changed our gearbox completely. And to me, that says that they have now opened up more volume in the floor, which means they've made more space for them to do stuff up in the floor where they needed it. And I think a lot of teams have done that. And especially with the way we're seeing this downwashing side pod, there is a change to the way the radiators go in and how tight you need things packaged around the back of the car to do that successfully. And so I think that's done to open up more room down than the diffuser, which is just a big giant area of suction on the floor. I always tell people just think about like diffusers suck. Mm -hmm. They just suck the car down. That's all they do because it's um, air going from a high pressure differential and it just is a high area of suction. Basically, it's meant to suck the car down. The more efficient your diffuser is, the better your car usually is. And so it's to open up areas in the floor that I think they need a lot of room in and a lot of probably help in. And then also the lack of floor edges. So like Alpine showed us a real floor edge. A few teams showed us some floor stuff, but that kind of edge of the floor where you get a lot of the critical kind of aerodynamic elements to help generate downforce and get that car efficiently kind of producing downforce. So there's no porpoising. There's um, it's kind of the ground, the ground effect, the ride height, geez, the ground effect is appropriately energized and all of that. I think that's going to be interesting as well because teams were hiding that. Interesting. Yeah, it's so funny too because we got a lot of messages from people being like, I look at these cars and I don't see, Mm -hmm. I can't tell anything different. Yes. Part of that is because there actually isn't anything different. There's there's some stuff and there were some Easter eggs and some cues, but there really is, we're really not going to see the true car until probably Bahrain. Right, exactly. Um, Okay, let's just, let's get into the Red Bull of it all because (laughs) everyone was freaking out on social media about how we are just probably going to be in for 24 Red Bull wins this season. Yeah. Tell me all your thoughts, how you feel about it, uh, all the things. I love it. There is a reason that Adrian Newey is the greatest motorsport aerodynamicist of all time, I would argue, and has what, 150? It might actually be above 150 championships to his name and credit now. Wow. Um, Like he is the arrow king, just the way that he is able to come up with stuff is very, very smart. And so I think that this is that on display. Um, I think it's going to be fast, obviously. And a lot of people, and I don't know if you've seen this, but they were talking about how like shit house it is. I don't know if I can say that on your pod. Of course you can. How like petty and shit housey it was for them to go for that vertical inlet that has everybody freaking out. Yes. And yes. how it's a, a, a kind of like slight at Mercedes. A team is not going to take, and my co-host said this, the best Dr. Ops, a team is not going to take like kind of fucking around without there being a finding out, without there being a performance of it all. I don't know if I can say that either, but like they're not, (laughs) they're not just, (laughs) okay, they're (laughs) not just going to do this to be like, oh, hey, look, we can make that work and you couldn't. Mm. There was obviously something that Adrian saw in that concept when he saw it that made sense and there was a performance gain for it. Teams don't just put stuff on cars to put stuff on cars. And so that's where that competitive intelligence thing happens. They see it, they go try it, there's a gain. Okay, Mm -hmm. let's run with it. Let's look a little bit more into it. Let's do a little bit more modeling work and see if there actually is a benefit to trying something like that. And that's part of the world of racing. That's kind of what happens. I I knew we were going to see that car. I had known that we were going to see what was coming from Shakedown that had leaked, that Mm. that was what they were going to launch with. But like I put a video up and I was like, what? Like I kind of knew what was coming. I didn't know fully what was coming. And so I was kind of shook because I was trying to figure out where the heck the inlet is like everybody else. And so then we get that vertical slot and you're like, well, that makes a lot of sense. Because that's we couldn't see where the inlet was, but it's still kind of puzzling and it's ingenious. And so it seems like it's an evolution of the RB19 with the downwashing side pod. I am of the sense that I believe there's a water slide, which is a trough in that side pod. Um, and that's basically you put stuff like that in a car. This is for people, as you see them on cars, 
you put like a ditch, a trough, a like a, a kind of something like that to protect, contain, and or direct air or any and all of the above. So it could be they are protecting air that is conditioned and moving in a certain way to an area they want it without destroying that. They are containing air that's maybe filled with loss or not doing what they want and putting it somewhere else away from all that good, good, nice, clean conditioned air they have. And then direction, obviously, they're, they're sending it there. And so what's cool about these um, water slides is they get tighter and then they open back up. And so when you put air through a tight kind of smaller space, it speeds up and then it comes out and it, it'll slow down. But when you go from this kind of high speed and out, you also get a high pressure differential, which means you're basically just making like a cannon of air. And so they're shooting this air down through and across. Oh, I just hit my mic. Whoops. Um, they're kind of shooting this air back across, especially the rear of the car to energize rear suspension, the beam wings and all that stuff. So it helps with actually kind of the downforce production across the car. So I see a lot of really ingenious features. I'm still trying to figure out where the heck that inlet is and where it goes to. Is it like truly a vertical radiator inlet? Um, Craig Scarborough, who is a F1 TV tech analyst, also an amazing follow. If you don't follow him, he likes to kind of draw and he's usually got a good sense. He thinks it's actually an S-duct, which is through cooling. So it brings air in and up and out, kind of out of the way of where they want it. Um, and they're using it to passively cool something and get air into the car in a way that they need it. And then just getting it out of the way. Ferrari has an S-duct. Um, we do think that that's back this season as well. It's kind of just this little slot that comes up and out behind the halo with some air that they'll take in. Um, so I think that I'm still very puzzled by the Red Bull, um, especially because their floor edge was concealed as well. I can't mm. tell a lot of what they're doing, but I'm so intrigued by this like side pod geometry that they've come up with, with this kind of vertical slice and how it kind of works as a system because everything all works together there. It's all about getting air over the top of the floor, across the edges to kind of help keep the down, the ground effects and that downforce generating. So I'm super intrigued um, of what it's going to look like. I have heard that it's going to kind of look like that, but there's going to be some stuff different in Bahrain for sure. So I'm kind of intrigued as to what's going on because like the more area under that undercut, the more you have to energize. And so they're trying to get all of this clean air onto like the deck and, gener and generate um, downforce across the top side of the floor, which is super critical and important. So it's really interesting what they're trying to do. Yeah, I felt like everyone was pretty, um, I don't want to say disappointed because obviously I think people like disappointed in the oh. sense that they felt like, oh shit, we are not going to have, it's not going to be four teams fighting for wins every mm. single weekend. You know, it's like, oh, okay, we're, we're really in for <laughs> another Red Bull season of dominance, but I think we all understand this is how F1 works and yes. teams have these eras of dominance and we yes. are currently in the Red Bull era. Yeah. And I think to me, there was like a lot of, I think that was an oh shit moment for a lot of yeah, teams when exactly. they showed up with that because they'd been talking about how, oh, it's just a natural evolution and and all of this. And it's just kind of a, a natural step forward from the RB19, which I still see a lot of cues yeah. from the RB19. But this is like, holy shit. <laughs> I I agree. I would right there with the teams. And I was like, <laughs> wow, this is incredible. And I can't wait to see more of it. And that's where I think, yeah, like you said, it's just kind of the way that this sport works. And, yep. and there was like the Ferrari dominance era. We've had the Mercedes era. Now we're moving into the Red Bull era. Again, um, the 2026 regulations, who knows? Like, right. I think that it's just part of racing mm -hmm. and part of the world of motorsports that it happens. And that's, it's every sport you can go look in. There's kind of these, like Toyota and WEC is a great example. They have been dominating for years. Like um, some of the indie cars, like they kind of go back and forth in indie yeah. car, but there's like usually always Chevrolet or like in um, NASCAR sometimes like Chevys as well. So it just really depends. Well, even in, I mean, I'm a Kansas City Chiefs fan, you know, the, yeah. the Chiefs are in their dominant era and yes. I love it because I'm a Chiefs fan, but That's I can great, understand yeah. how people who are not are like, I hate this. You know, it's, yes. just, it's just how it goes. It's just. Yes. As a Lions fan, I was a little salty. We weren't against y'all in, in the know. game, but I know. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great analogy. Too. Yeah. It's like, it's like it happens all the time in every sport yeah. and it's just yes. part of it. And and I've gotten to the point as a fan 
where I I'm like one of those people who who's like, but guys, like focus on who's getting P3 or like the battle yeah. for, you know, like I'm one of one of those people like there's so much mm-hmm. more else to watch. But yes. It's true. It is. Yeah. It's like you want your team to do well and it sucks when they don't. But it's like it's part of the world. It's also like um college football, Alabama. Right. Like Alabama era and all of that. Right. The SEC kind of dynasty and domination. Same thing. A lot of people don't like that, but it's it's just part of it. And it's the tides and the way that you adapt to kind of the world and the regulations and what's around you and, and manage that the best. And at the end of the day, the best are, are going to be the ones that win. Exactly. Um, you mentioned a lot of the teams are copying the RB19. Can you mm-hmm. explain exactly what that looks like for people who maybe don't are not familiar sure. with tech as much as you are. um so if you pull up pictures of red bull's car last year they had this very distinct um side pod design that had this kind of high cut in it that then also directed this ramp of air downward that was kind of like their trademark thing we started to see it on the rb18 and the side pod kind of got dented in and they did some different things around that to try and reduce drag it's the same way a golf ball has a dimple in it it helps reduce the drag through the air while also keeping um, the air adhered and the flow kind of stuck to that feature rather than letting it kind of skitter off and do whatever it wants. Um, and so they kind of evolved that a little bit into the 19 with this big aggressive ramp and kind of this slim side pod. And now that's the biggest feature I've seen is the teams are copying that. Um, they've it. gone to kind of this high cut this long ramp, and then some have the water slide, which Aston Martin, I believe, and Alpine started last year. Others don't. I think McLaren had that at some point. So it's kind of up in the air of who's going to have that and who's not. But I think the biggest thing is going to be the floor. Are the teams copying Mm. the floor design, which notoriously we got to see in Monaco? Thanks, Checo. Yes, when the car took flight, and I I sang sang to Defying Gravity like that, uh, over that. Um, But that was when the teams kind of got the biggest, oh, this is how it works. Because just because you make the car look like one of your competitors does not mean it's going to work like them. And the biggest example of that is um, you guys were in Coda. Um, Haas showed up with a car that looked a lot like the McLaren. Just because they made it look like a McLaren didn't mean it raced like the McLaren. Yeah. And that that race weekend result was very, very clear that yeah. that is the case. And so the big thing there is, are they copying everything we can't see? Mm-hmm. So on the outside, it's looking the same. Okay, it's going to be fast. That's not necessarily the case. There's different, the different way things fit together. There's differences in the suspension. The floor is the biggest one, though, because that's kind of the biggest um, I would say differentiator in the teams and how well their car performs personally and how they're able to get ride height and how that interacts with the rest of the car. And so will they copy outright and it will look the same if you go look at pictures of the end of last year of that car and put it side by side with whoever has a similar concept. So basically everybody except Red Bull <laughs> and probably McLaren and Aston, I would say everybody okay. but them. Um does everything look the same side to side? And I think that that's not going to be the case. Um, they're kind of taking pieces that they see are fast from a fast car, obviously modeling them. But then are they kind of doing them in the same way to make them work together? Because just because it worked for me doesn't mean it's going to work for you. Right. Exactly. Unless it's a direct copy, which there are rules against, obviously. Well, so I was going to ask you another question we got is, I, I mean, this started last year, but Zach Brown has really come mm-hmm. out. Um speaking out against he does not like the fact the the vcar red bull partnership quote unquote whatever you want to call it and people were asking you know what why is he what what about there right now because they've been you know sister teams whatever you want to call it junior team for a very very long time and no one really seemed to be making a big stink about it and then now he's really upset or seems to be more upset about it what Mm -hmm. what is it about right now that is causing this sort of controversy there's kind of two things that stick out to me the first is i think um just that like it's gonna be it potentially could bring them closer in the field and now that's more for mclaren to deal with right in terms of fighting towards the top of the grade because they're taking newer components they're taking um newer features that normally they're buying from a couple seasons ago which you're allowed to do under purchase component agreements a good example is they were actually still using the steering rack from 2019 on the car last year 
And so they are purchasing components that are older to try and save money, but those are still more current than what they had. Mm. Um, And so they're getting kind of some more current features and current kind of tech in their hands, what they do with that. Who knows? But the bigger thing to me, and I think a lot of people are forgetting, is this is a Concord agreement year. Agreement year. The Concord agreement is up in 2025. Because they're trying to bring this to be a true sister team, it's now Oracle Red Bull Racing and Visa Cash App Red Bull. That's two votes of 10. And I think mm. a lot of people aren't thinking about it being a Concord agreement year. There's now two votes that could basically like they're going to follow Red Bull. Right. For obvious reasons. So I think that could be part of it. I think that it's funny that Zach is the one calling it out because I think that there's actually a larger discussion around antitrust and racing and a lot of the stuff he does with like United Autosport and some of the stuff that he'll do to get like to kind of bring deals. And I think that there's kind of some incestuous behavior and some other things about like antitrust, but I think it's more politics related for Got him. Okay. And that now at that table, when all teams come into a room and they have to vote and they have to work on this agreement. Red Bull now has two votes and there's nobody like he might vote in line with Mercedes, who knows, but now there's two votes very clearly that are going to be aligned, whatever that may be. And I think that that's going to pose likely a, a political issue kind of on the the side of things with like Concord agreements and stuff like that. Very interesting. Yeah, it was, I mean, I don't know. It's the whole thing in, in F1. I think if, if you're like a new fan, you have to remember mm-hmm. like, so much of this sport is like not necessarily about what happens. Well, we said this a thousand times, not on the track, but off the track mm-hmm. and like these moves and these comments and what people say and talk about. There's like, it's not just about, oh, Zach Brown is scared that he's going to lose mm-hmm. to the to the B car car, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's like it's obviously they now have it's like another car they're potentially fighting with like that, like I said, and but it's like there's there's all of this off-track implication now of them kind of putting their foot down and trying to bring them back into closer alignment. Whereas like they were kind of like they were sisters, but now they're even more closely related yep. sisters. Yep. So I think that that's it's more off track related than on track related yeah. potentially. They were like steps step stepsisters. Yeah. They're like half sisters. <laughs> Yes, that's a good, yeah. Yeah, they're more like half-sisters. Yeah, it's a good one for it. Yeah, I would agree. Um, Okay, so testing is this week, which is very exciting. What can we expect from testing? If this is somebody's first testing experience as a fan, what should Mm -hmm. they be looking out for? What are you going to be looking out for? Um. Don't get excited by the testing results would be the first thing I would say. Yep. Um, There's a lot of stuff that teams are going to intentionally do to either hide their performance or very specific things that they're doing and trying to check. So if you're like, oh my God, Haas is P1. This is there. there, There's something else maybe going on with fuel loads or what the teams are trying um, versus what they're trying. And that's, we're not necessarily privy to that. I wish we were, but we're not. Um, so kind of take the results as a grain of salt would be kind of the first thing I would say um, as we're getting kind of timing in. And I think they're broadcasting it. So we'll see a lot of that. Nice. I think also be prepared for a lot of time in the garage. Um, teams will be coming in and out, changing things, trying things, um, doing setups, providing feedback and all of that. So it's not super exciting. It's going to feel a lot like one giant three day FP (laughs) one is what I would say, because free practice one is basically the test session of the weekend. Right. So it's going to be a lot of feedback, a lot of trial and error. You'll also see these big grates on the car. Those are arrow rakes and they're at the end of all of these grids. They look like a piece of fence in these like weird shapes. Um, are these sensors and they're testing the air pressure airflow across the features and how they're coming off the car. So you'll see a lot of these grates applied to the car. And you'll also see a lot of Flovis, which is everybody's favorite. Yeah. Flovis is a like wax and oil based paint that they slather and spray on the car in certain areas. And as the car runs through the air, it kind of pulls along the features and then teams will take photographs of it. And send it back to the factory so that they can understand exactly what is going on across those features. It's another way to tell that your your flow is staying like attached or converged. Because if the paint doesn't move, that means there's no air going across it. Or it it looks a certain way. You can tell certain things about it. So you'll see a lot of that. Um, A lot of the heavily black cars might use the UV activated one. So there's ones you go over it with a black light, whereas it's normally like a really bright color. Um, That's cool. Looks like a, there's one that looks like Cheeto orange. There's a red one. There's the green one that's really popular. Yep. I think a lot of the teams are going to utilize this like white 
Mercedes was using it for a while. It's you go over it with a black light. So I don't know for how much of that we're going to be able to see. As for what I'm looking for. Yeah. I am looking for differences from launch. And this will be the first kind of indication of what teams are sticking with for the start of the season and what's different. Was there something they showed us that wasn't there before? And like I was talking with all of this stuff, kind of they're they're not showing things or they're hiding things. There was there's false bodywork that teams will have applied at launch, like um riveted or bolted on to hide something. I'm really gonna be looking to see, well, there's no more false bodywork. What are they really doing? Because this is gonna be kind of the first true look at that. I don't think we'll see final cars until FP3 of the Bahrain race weekend. Okay. Yes, because that's park for May. Right. That's after that is when Park for May starts. And I think teams are going to be trying and continuing and playing with things all the way up to then, in my opinion. So I don't okay. think we'll see kind of finalized locked in cars until FP3 when teams are going to really kind of try to lock it in for quality in the race weekend. We'll see them do obviously their usual kind of run programs, but I don't think we'll see final, final cars until FP3 of that race weekend. Interesting. Yeah. We've been saying, um, since the first episode of this new season, like do not get your hopes up. Don't, think like you know ferrari is going to win the constructors mm-hmm. based off of testing results like you yes. have to manage expectations because yes you just don't you just don't really know and you don't want to you don't want to think too high and, and mm-hmm. you also shouldn't get too low either because yes. uh, just because a team Stand- yeah sandbags are a thing yep exactly um, how much sandbag a team chooses to do or not do is really up to them um that's very much a thing like this i always joke i'm like man those sandbags are mighty heavy this weekend Mm -hmm. in testing so teams are intentionally also not trying to show their full hand yeah that's why i also say i personally think fp3 is really going to be the first time we get a good sense of things i think maybe fp2 where it's often teams will do some quality sims, but I think FP3 is really going to be the true sense of what the grid is and where kind of everybody lies following testing. Because like I said, FP1 is one giant test session. So teams will still kind of be trialing setups and different things. There'll be probably some more Flovis, some more aero rakes, FP2, trying to hone in a little bit further. They'll do some long runs, high fuel, some short runs for some initial quality simulations. And free practice three is really, truly like nailing it down in your final, final go. So I think that I agree. There's going to be sandbags on board. Do not like freak out. That's teams are going to be throwing the sandbags out through the whole weekend. So I think keep that in mind as you go because they still don't want their competitors to really get a good handle until kind of the race weekend. Right. Do you, I mean, even though we said don't like read into into anything, do you have any predictions for testing or like things that you think you're going to see or teams that might surprise you a little bit? It's hard to say because of how much copycatting is going on. Yeah. I'm personally like really intrigued by at least Ferrari, Alpine, McLaren, and I want to say it was Aston because they've all done changes to the point of where like they've got whole new chassis. Um, like Alpine was the biggest one where the driver is now pushed further back. Same with Ferrari. That changes the entire behavior of your car. Yeah. So with the change in positioning, how does it change the car? Because to me, that says they're changing the center of gravity of the car. They're trying to get it lower. So lower center of gravity car is better through corners. Higher center of gravity car is not as good through high speed corners, but it's really good on the straights and it has lower drag. So these teams trying to lower their center of gravity are in theory taking a little bit of a penalty, but somehow are overcoming that with the rest of the car design. So I'm really intrigued to see kind of these cars that have made big changes, um, not only from an aerodynamic standpoint, but kind of where the driver sits and how everything is kind of different that way, new suspension and all of that. So those are kind of the ones I'm going to be watching. Okay. Um, I think Red Bull is still going to be fast. I'm, I'm really intrigued to just see what that car is going to look like when it shows up personally. Because like I said, I, I kind of know there's going to be some differences. It's largely what we're going to see, but there's some stuff that I kind of know to look out for <laughs> yeah. that I'm going to be on the lookout for. So I'm really intrigued and and I'm just kind of ready to see actual cars. I mean, we saw actual cars, but I'm and, ready to yeah. see kind of the real deal cars. Yes. What about you? Anything? I mean, I, it's so funny because, so I became a fan of F1, like right before the 2022 testing. Yes. So obviously I knew I didn't even understand what testing was. I had no, mm-hmm. I didn't even pay attention to it probably one bit last year. I was more like, okay, you know, I was sort of peripherally Mm -hmm. interested in it, but 
But I feel like this is the first year where I'm actually going to really dive into it and try to follow it like very closely. Mm -hmm. Whereas before it's been so kind of like, oh, that's not because I think a big part of it is if you are not someone who is as engineering focused or tech focused, you feel Mm -hmm. like it's not for you or you won't enjoy it Mm -hmm. because you're like, well, what am I what am I looking out for? Right. Um, Mm -hmm. But I'm going to I'm going to attempt to, you know, put on my engineering hat and yeah, at least try to learn something and mm-hmm. and get something out of it. I just I would love to see. I think I would love this is a vague answer or a more sort of generalized answer, but I would love to see like Aston Martin and I know we're not really going to get this in testing, but a team take a big gain um mm-hmm. and surprise people in a way yeah. that, you know, maybe they they didn't perform as well. Last year, and people can say, oh, and I actually listened to, I can't remember who it was on Sky Sports. They were talking about testing and and they said, you know, teams aren't going to say anything, but you can look at the body language mm-hmm. of yeah. the teams, the engineers, like how they're kind of acting and responding will tell you what you kind of need to know yes. about how the testing huh. is going. Yeah, I and would I agree. I fully agree that's you can usually tell it's going well or it's not well based on kind yeah. of the garage lingo and and kind of how they how they're acting in the garage i would fully agree with that statement that's usually a good indication of of kind of how things are going yeah so don't watch the car as much just watch everybody in the garage and yeah get i know to car, figure out. <laughs> cars on the track it's exciting you want to yeah. see what everybody's doing because you can if you know what to look for you can kind of get a feel of what's going on um since yeah. there's not like onboards or anything but like the the garage is really i would agree is key because that's got the feedback loop with everybody still back at the factory yeah it's got the teams that are there they're making the adjustments that are getting direct driver feedback so that's really i would agree with that statement yeah um okay what do you think what team do you think is going to make the biggest i i just i just mentioned um you know like the the Aston Martin leap in 2023. Do you see a team mm-hmm. making that kind of step this year? Um, I feel like I haven't seen enough real cars to say that. I wish I had a crystal ball. <laughs> what team do you want to, be- to see, I guess? We can um, make it more just... I mean, I'm a PR girly, so like yeah. obviously I want to see Alpine get their crap together. Yeah. Um, because I think they really struggled with their car last year. So I would love to see Alpine kind of get it together. Um, but like still kind of like be still my little heart, like V carb. I would love to see Toro Rosso doing well again and kind of fighting at the front that, um, 2021 year with Pierre with the, the podiums and everything. That was like such a good year. So I would love to see them back at the front just cause that's the little team that could. We and need then, Yuki on the podium yes, just a as Yuki. a collective, like yes. we need it at least once. Uh, I like to throw driver names in front of everything. So like when Yuki gets points, they're yoinks. So I would love like um like uh I think it's a yodium or a yodium. <laughs> I can't remember how I would say Yodium. It. Yeah. So like whenever like it's like Pierre gets points, I'm like um Pierroints or like um there's somebody I said it and I was like I can never say it again when Charles gets pole it's a chol and I was like I can never <laughs> say that again so like I like to throw driver names in front of it so we need like a a yodium <laughs> a yodium that is hilarious we definitely do with hopefully Pierre <laughs> Gasly next to him that would be incredible I think also for me I want to see um just Ferrari operating more efficiently yeah I think they are kind of so paralyzed culturally and Mm. kind of in in kind of how they operate like operationally Mm -hmm. i think that they could have a good car i just think that whatever is kind of in place in cultural in like culture the actual structure of everything the decision making pathways i think they're kind of paralyzed by whatever they were doing so i think that's the other thing and i would actually really like to see ferrari operating much more efficiently that way kind of as a whole because I think that there was all of these because of that, there was doubt in what the pit crew needed to do or doubt in like what um, Zavi could do and make decisions and stuff like that. So I think empowering their people to make decisions clearly and concisely and also in a timely manner is going to be key. I completely agree. Yeah, we say that all the time. It's just it's from top down. Everything needs mm-hmm. to be run a certain way. And people joke about little tiny things having when when like a boss is like very anal about oh the conference rooms need to be mm-hmm. particular you know a certain way but those types of things every little thing matters and the way that you yes. operate as an organization will then impact mm-hmm. everything else yeah and um and 
yeah, there definitely needs to be like a tightening of uh, everything. Yes. And if they maybe they're too tight, they need to kind of pivot or loosen yes. to make sure that that decision-making can happen and they're, yes. everybody's doing what they need to do to be able to execute. Because I think that's the biggest thing is the factory side. I think they have a great factory side. I've heard amazing things about working at the Ferrari factory for the Formula One side. And it's the track side that really has kind of this, this struggle of decision-making and what they're doing. Yes. And so I think if they can like tighten up where they need, but effectively maybe also loosen kind of maybe areas that are so constricted that prevent this from happening and understanding that bottleneck or understanding what's yep. causing that kind of structurally and culturally, I think that they could, they could have a much more successful year. Completely agree. Um, I didn't prep you for this, but I oh, no. <laughs> would I would love for you to give just like a it doesn't have to be even crazy, but just like a prediction that might be is a little out there for the season. Ooh. And it could be anything. It could be a driver move. It could be a uh standings position, <sighs> a driver who's gonna get a win, like anything. Hot take, Oscar will get his first win before Lando does. Okay, so that's I've I've been seeing that. We did our predictions, our um, driver standings predictions, and mm-hmm. and Hannah predicted Oscar to finish ahead of Lando. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think he'll get his first win ahead of Lando. Personally, it it wouldn't shock me. It yeah. really wouldn't <laughs> shock me. I I'm very curious to see that teammate dynamic this this mm-hmm. season. I think it's going to be a lot closer than maybe people anticipate. And yes, I'm looking forward to that. I I do my, too. My um my big. My prediction is I think we're going to get much like the Alpha Tauri winning in 2020. Um, mm-hmm. I think we're going to get a, a team win that is like not shock. Yeah. Shock win. I don't know. Yeah. We obviously don't know what would be, what would be considered a shock currently. Yes. <laughs> but yeah. I think we're going to get or or like um, Esteban winning with Alpine. In hung- you know, yeah, in something Hungary, like yeah. that. Um, I think so, too. I think or, we're going to get. Oh, go um, ahead. No, I was just going to say, or or I'm just at least like manifesting that because yeah, it'd be fun. I think we're going to get something. I think that there's, there's some kind of interesting stuff we're seeing from the cars and I can't wait to see like how things are going to shake out. But I agree. I think that we could see something wild and I, I, I wish I had a crystal ball to know, but I think we're going to get like an upset somewhere. I don't know where it's going to be, but I think we really could see something cool and see something that would, would kind of be a surprise to everybody. Plus with 24 races, it's like, there's bound to be one. There's gotta be right. There has to be. (laughs) Look at like, if you look at the probability of it, yeah, very high, very, very high, very, very high. I think with like some of the races we saw last year that were great, and even though like Red Bull still won, there was a lot of unpredictability yes. Yes. Um, like through a lot of races. And so I think that we could still see that happen. And especially for me is our street circuit still Red Bull's weakness. Yes. So like, I think that there still could very much be some, some shocks and, and drama and upsets and, and some, some results that will surprise some people. Completely agree. Well, Molly, you're just the best. Thank you so much for coming on and educating all of us and giving us the lowdown. It's we're just so grateful. Can you, I know you're on like a thousand podcasts, so can you please plug yourself where people can listen to you, find you all the things? Yes. So I first and foremost am a bunch of red flags on TikTok. where if you like this kind of conversation, that's basically all I do is I'll do videos on topics. I'll break down the cars, what you should be paying attention to, what's different, why they likely are doing that something fails or breaks in the car. I'll talk about that as well. So I'm over there on TikTok and then I am on engines, EVs and espresso, which is part of racing forces, which is a podcast kind of around coffee, cars, racing, EV culture, kind of business and tech together. And then I'm also on breaking bias, which is a all motorsport tech podcast with uh, Dr. Obbs, who is a phenomenal PhD in aerodynamics. And so we'll actually kind of really get into the nitty gritty tech. I'm the mechanical side. He's the aero side. And we'll kind of get into really kind of the deeper tech behind things. And we aren't just limited to Formula One. We do a lot of Formula One content, but we do NASCAR, we do IndyCar. Um, We're going to do some human performance stuff. So we kind of really get into like the tech side there a lot deeper. And then I'm on Twitter Instagram, um, kind of find me all over there. It's just, um, I'm under Molly Marissa on most of those. So you can find me there and come hang out. So great. Yeah. And you know what I was just thinking about? I love how there's just so, so much, um, like diversity of podcasts these Mm -hmm. days, especially hosted by women Mm -hmm. and how, like, no matter how you like 
the sport or what you're interested in or what you find fun mm-hmm. or engaging. Like there's something out there for you. Yes. And I think that is so great. I agree. I absolutely agree. It's so fun. Um, okay. Do you know how we end our show? I cannot remember. It's been a minute. Okay. <laughs> so we say enchanté. Yes, that's correct. So right. I would love it if you would do us the honor of just Absolutely. hitting us with an enchanté, however you want to do it, whenever you're ready. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening to this episode. Enchanté. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs>